every rock I turn over has these nasty little weevils underneath because the whole thing is rotten to the core. The whole thing is a con. The whole thing is a pseudoscience. The whole thing is an attempt to sell these drugs, to sell these interventions to vulnerable people and in the process render them sterile and render them more easy to manipulate and abuse and continue to experiment on. I read through these studies so you can see what I've seen and so you can come to your own conclusions, but I believe it clearly speaks for itself. Uh, if you'd like to support me, because boy does this affect my blood pressure, uh, just kidding, because uh, I'm not on testosterone, you can uh, uh, support me with the links below. You can buy uh, some merch from my shop. I've got t-shirts again, including the Gender Atheist t-shirts. Uh, you, could, you could leave a helpful comment, like, subscribe, hit the notifications bell. All right, we're going to work our way through that uh, gender-affirming hormone therapy uh, citations list. And this is the citation that uh, is the only one that claims to have been controlled. So it's a testosterone treatment and MMPI-2 improvement study in transgender men, a prospective controlled study. And these are the lead authors, and it was in the uh, Journal of Counseling and Clinical Psychology from 2014. Objective, most transgender men desire to receive testosterone treatment in order to masculinize their bodies. In this study, we aim to investigate the short-term effects of testosterone treatment on psychological functioning in transgender men. This is the first controlled prospective follow-up study to examine such effects. Methods, we examined a sample of transgender men, N equals 48, and non-transgender male and female matched controls, mean age of 26.6 years, 74% white, we asked participants to complete the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory to assess psychological functioning at baseline and at acute post-treatment follow-up three months after testosterone initiation. Regression models tested uh, gender times time interaction effects comparing divergent mean response profiles across membership uh, measurements by gender identity and beast changes in psychological functioning scores for acute post-intervention measurements, adjusting for baseline measures, comparing transgender men with their matched non-transgender male and female controls, and adjusting for baseline scores, and C, changes in meeting clinical psychopathological thresholds. In other words, this was not a randomized control study that used a placebo because that would require taking all of them and then randomizing them. It wouldn't be comparing transgender to non-transgender people. It would be comparing transgender men to, meaning females, to uh, other transgender men, meaning females. You compare like to like when you're doing a randomized placebo-controlled trial because you are trying to reduce all but the, the uh, thing you're testing as a difference. So the study design is not designed to show causality. Results statistically significant changes in MMPI-2 scale scores were found at three months follow-up after initiating testosterone treatment relative to baseline for transgender men compared with female controls. Um, in other words, they, they gave some women a drug and... Other women who didn't want the drug didn't get the drug. Could there have been other differences? Now, the reason that you compare like to like when you are doing a randomized placebo-controlled trial is because you don't want there to be confounding factors. And here, the obvious confounding factor, one is that 
the control group didn't get a sham treatment. Another confounding factor is that the control group didn't want a sham treatment. And so obviously you, you would expect that the, the group that got any treatment would have a, a reduction in any symptoms that were present because that's what placebos do is they help you reduce subjective symptoms. Uh, additionally, uh, when you, you randomize it, you eliminate the confounding factor of people knowing that they were in the treatment group. These people knew that they were in the treatment group or they knew they were in the control group. And, you know, th there's, there's a lot of political will towards overstating the benefits of this drug to protect access. In addition, the proportion of transgender men presenting with co-occurring psychopathology significantly decreased from baseline and compared with three-month follow-up to relative to controls. Uh, I wonder if that's because at least some of those people will find out uh, had already gone and self-administered the drug prior to even doing the baseline tests. So they had every motivation to overstate their problems knowing they had just started this drug. Conclusions. Findings suggest that testosterone treatment resulted in increased levels of psychological functioning on multiple domains in transgender men relative to non-transgender controls. These findings differed in comparisons of transgender and uh, with female men with female controls uh, using the female template and with male controls using the male template. No iatrogenic effects of testosterone were found, meaning uh, according to them, there, there was no sign of illness. Uh, these findings suggest a direct positive effect of three months of testosterone treatment on psychological functioning in transgender men, which again, this is exactly what you would expect from uh, a placebo treatment as well. There's a reason that we placebo control and don't nothing control. So that was the abstract. Let's get onto the meat and potatoes. A transgender man is someone whose masculine gender uh, identification is not aligned with the female sex he was assigned at birth. So we've still got the non-vegetarianism going. Uh, compared with non-transgender individuals, transgender people experience multiple physical and mental health disparities, including increased psychiatric comorbidity and higher rates of symptoms of anxiety, depression, and lifetime suicide attempts, as well as systemic oppression, discrimination, social stigma, social, spiritual, and occupational rejection, physical and sexual violence, and harassment. Oh my gosh. Because of these negative experiences, transgender people may hide their gender identity from others or deny it to themselves for self-preservation. Minority stress theory posits that transgender people experience stress related to actual experiences of rejection and discrimination, as well as perceived rejection and expectations of being stereotyped and discriminated against and hiding minority status and identity for fear of harm. I wonder if this relates back to their, their apparently elevated levels of paranoia and hysteria that were identified earlier in this paper. Nah, it's our fault. The act of concealing transgender status can lead to hypervigilance and a preoccupation with hiding. Yeah, it's called it's called OCD. If you, if you, if you do the behavior because you're obsessed and you act compulsively, it does tend to get worse over time, which itself can become a significant source of stress. Avoidant coping may have been learned early, as many transgender people recall learning to hide their gender expression as early as childhood. Uh, again, I'm wondering if, if perhaps they have some sort of predisposition towards anxiety, paranoia, and hysteria, and, and other, other psychopathological uh, comorbidities that are repeatedly identified in these papers. But no, as, as Aaron in the Morn said, if, if the autism and gender dysphoria are, are comorbid, apparently gender dysphoria is definitely never secondary. It can never possibly, it's always primary, it can even cause pervasive developmental disorders like autism somehow.
Transgender people who are in the beginning of their gender transition may be more likely to experience more distress due to denial, hiding, and suppression of their transgender identity. And they may avoid social situations due to concerns about being judged by others for their appearance, especially if they do not pass, i.e. are not perceived by others as their gender identity. Without taking the reasons behind these social patterns into account, transgender people may be assumed to be socially introverted or to have social... Um, Without taking the reasons behind these social patterns into account, transgender people may be assumed to be socially introverted or to have social deficits. They are targeting people with autism. They've been doing it a while. It's they, they've discovered the real reason that people with autism have social deficits in their mind. It's because they're trans. Many, and, and, and they understand that people with social deficits are more likely to have issues understanding social interactions Obviously, they know who they're targeting and why. Many health providers have not been trained to initiate hormone treatment in transgender people and may be reticent to do so, especially while, when working with transgender men with lower psychological functioning. Do we see it? Do we see it yet? However, recent cross-sectional research suggests that testosterone treatment is associated with fewer symptoms of psychopathology in transgender men. This is sex lobotomy. There, it's just lobotomy. It's just lobotomy by a different route for the same reasons with the same end goal in mind. Although no conclusive direct efforts have been, effects have been reported, studies of hypogonadal males who were prescribed testosterone treatment and have documented improved psychological functioning, including improved mood, increased energy, and reduced depression. All nonspecific, all subjective. And again, this, this paper is talking about transgender identifying females who had already decided to go on testosterone. And in some cases, it even sought it out and taken it themselves before they knew that they were taking a baseline test for a psychological study. Uh, transgender men may pursue testosterone treatment and surgical procedures to modify their primary and or secondary sex characteristics to match their gender identity. Although not all transgender men opt to pursue medical treatment options. Testosterone for transgender men who desire to medically transition is a medically necessary treatment option that has been used in this capacity for more than 50 years. Gee, how, how long were they using lobotomy for? Many transgender men who desire to pursue testosterone treatment as well as chest and or genital surgery select testosterone only or as an initial step in their transition because they are unable to access surgical treatment due to the lack of insurance. It's a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, ideology in this, this paper. I wonder when we're gonna get to the science. And so it's due to the lack of insurance coverage in the United States and the high costs of surgery, which we know they're having an easier time getting covered lately based on Greffin's report. Other transgender men may not pursue surgical treatments because they hope to preserve their reproductive capability or because the masculinizing effects of testosterone sufficiently address their body discomfort. The physical effects of testosterone on transgender men are well-documented. These include deepening of the voice. You'll know my thoughts on that. Noticeable increase in hair growth on the face, pubic region, limbs, chest, back, and stomach. Oh, they, don't, they, don't, they don't mention the butt. That's something trans men tend to mention. Acne, changes in body odor, cessation of menstruation, enlargement of the clitoris, which would be the female genital mutilation component because the clitoris is also enlarging inside of a compartment which means that risk losing function if there's too much compression and lack of perfusion of the tissues, i.e. lack of blood, blood flow and blood circulation. 
redistribution of fat, which is why they're marketing it to people with eating disorders, more coarse skin texture, increase in muscle mass, pelvic narrowing, and scalp hair loss if it is genetically inherited. If it was genetically inherited, they wouldn't be warning them as a, of it as a risk of a drug side effect. They're, they're just misleading them because they know that testosterone um, and one of, one of the related hormones, more specifically DHT, that, that that is independently toxic to hair follicles separate from the genetic factors, which would be affecting the receptors on the hair follicles and their sensitivity to it. So is there an interaction there? Yes. But is this a genetic hair loss? No. It's a hair loss that only happens in the context of a toxic dose of a medication. The first changes that occur within three months are typically skin oiliness or acne, facial and body hair growth, body fat redistribution, cessation of menses, clitoral enlargement, and deepened voice. Little is known, however, of the psychological effects of testosterone on transgender men. Well, full steam ahead. It's not like they're psychologically vulnerable. Several longitudinal studies on the effects of gender transitions focus more on physical and psychological genital surgical outcomes than on the prospective psychological effects of hormones. So again, does the cart go before or after the horse medicine? The recent cross-sectional studies suggest that testosterone treatment among transgender men is associated with improved mental health and, men and well-being, including increased quality of life, decreased anxiety and depression, decreased social distress, and decreased stress. In addition, previous longitudinal studies of testosterone among transgender men have examined its physical and cognitive effects without examining psychosocial effects. A recent uncontrolled longitudinal study demonstrated fewer symptoms of anxiety and depression in a group of hormonally treated transgender men and women over one year. To our knowledge, no published controlled study has prospectively examined the effects of testosterone on the psychological functioning of transgender men compared with matched male and female controls. Yeah, but did, have, there, have any shown it in, in a randomized placebo-controlled trial? Like, it shouldn't be so hard. Where is it? Where is it? Did you guys just, just like, skip school? Were you, were, you, were you cutting class that day? Did they cover that in research methods in your graduate program? The Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, MMPI-1, is one of the oldest and most widely used psychological assessment tools. Although it was originally designed to establish psychological diagnoses, the test provides a broader picture of a person's behaviors and symptoms of psychopathology, uh, which again are self-reported. So if, if uh, some of these, these uh, uh, participants, they, they, they know how to exaggerate, how, how to make their symptoms sound worse on one day, and then better a few months later. It's, it's not hard to circle five instead of one. MMPI2 profiles are used to assess long-term stability of personality and psychopathology. Generally, MMPI2 results remain stable over time. Even in individuals who have had intensive psychotherapy, MMPI2 profiles typically do not show significant improvement until after a few years. And of course, we know that this drug that they're giving them, according to the other paper, is physically changing their brain. And usually after a brain injury, people have personality changes. The, the, and, and these are also people that knew that they were on a drug that, whose access is, is, is uh, difficult and that they were participating in a study designed to show that they needed this drug, that they wanted to take anyway for the cosmetic effects that they could see. 
Only intensive treatments such as electroconvulsive therapy combined with psychotherapy tend to alter MMPI2 profiles in a short period of time because it's a brain injury. When you shock someone's brain, you brain injure them. Gee, these are not good signs. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, I haven't been this mad in a minute. Prospective administration of the MMPI-2 should not reveal significantly dis different results over a three-month assessment period in an untreated sample. But you gave them a drug that changes the, the volume of different areas of their brain. These are lobotomies. It's a sex lobotomy. Previous cross-sectional studies have examined MMPI personality profiles of transgender people with the intent of determining if they were experiencing severe psychopathology. Existing MMPI studies examining transgender men found elevations on the psychopathic deviate scale and the masculinity-femininity scale. Uh, explain the elevation on the psychopathic deviate scale was likely related to the social difficulties that the transgender men experienced due to their variation from expected sex role conventions. The deviation on the masculinity-femininity scale was anticipated and indicated that transgender men reported more masculine traits than would be expected of females. Well, apparently not. A cross-sectional study compared MMPI profiles of pre- and post-surgical uh, transgender men found mean scale elevations on the masculinity-femininity and the hypomania scale in pre-surgical, oh, that's a great sign, uh, transgender Men, while post-surgical transgender men demonstrated much lower scores on the paranoia scale, the schizophrenia scale, and the hypomania scale than pre-surgical transgender men. And what 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 results do you think you would find if you were doing frontal lobotomy? Good lord! One uh, recent cross-sectional study did not find significant differences in MMPI two clinical scales between pre and post-hormone treated transgender men who had been treated for at least twelve months. Moreover, mean scores in both groups are found to be in the normative range. The World Professional Association for Transgender Health Standards of Care uh, from 2011 has urged mental and medical health practitioners to be familiar with the effects of hormone treatment. A meta-analysis of research on the quality of life and psychosocial outcomes of hormone treatment on transgender people reported that the evidence reviewed was of very low quality due to observational methods, lack of control groups, and cross-sectional designs. Recent research has called for more rigorous longitudinal research studies examining quality of life and psychosocial outcomes of hormone treatment. The current study examined the impact of testosterone treatment on psychological functioning of transgender men in a controlled longitudinal study, which, as we're about to see, was still extremely observational. The aim of this present study was to investigate the psychopathology profiles of a uh, community of sample of transgender men within about a month of initiating testosterone treatment baseline, and matched healthy non-transgender, keyword, male and female controls, and to compare these profiles with ones assessed three months later. Transgender men were matched to male and female controls at baseline on the variables of age and education level. So as you can see, this is not a sample of transgender men that were then randomized into either treatment or control group. It was a group of transgender people, transgender men specifically, i.e. women, who wanted to take testosterone that was matched against people who didn't identify as trans and were not taking anything. So it was not at all randomized. That makes it still observational and therefore very low quality evidence. Based on a review of previous cross-sectional findings, we hypothesized that transgender men's psychological profiles would show higher levels 
of psychopathology on the psychopathic deviant masculinity, femininity, paranoia, schizophrenia, and social introversion skills relative to controls at baseline. Further, we hypothesize that white con uh, while control profiles would remain stable, uh, transgender men's profiles would demonstrate an increase in psychological functioning on all scales, except the masculinity femininity scale after three months of testosterone treatment. To our knowledge, this is the first study to investigate the effects of testosterone on psychological functioning in transgender men in a, using a controlled longitudinal design. It's still observational because they are not randomizing them. So they're observing how the uh, self-administered, self-selected use of this drug affected them. And then comparing it to a group of people that didn't identify as trans and weren't taking a drug. So there's no distinguishing this from placebo effect. You would expect a group getting the placebo treatment versus no treatment to have a relative improvement on these scales just from the placebo effect. Method, uh, sample. 274 participants were recruited to participate in a year-long longitudinal study on the psychological effects of testosterone on psychopathology, cognitive functioning, sexuality, and psychosocial well-being. A total of 233 participants consented to participate and completed the baseline assessment. The present study focused on the 163 participants who completed the MMPI-2 at baseline assessment, time one, uh, and three-month follow-up, time two, retention rate 70% and who had valid MMPI scores. One participant did not contribute data to analysis due to a high score on the lie validity scale. So they, they literally suspected that one of them was just was just full of it. Like they, they know, they know that the fact that they, they knew which group they were in gave a lot of them a reason to lie. Uh, so much so that apparently one of them lied so openly and obviously that they were excluded from the study. Kind of, kind of, Puts, puts the other, other participants in question. Uh, purpose of sampling was used to recruit participants through the University of Houston subject pool, Houston community, personal contacts, transgender conferences, advertisements on transgender men specific uh, online support groups and blogs and transgender men's uh, support groups in the United States. All study procedures were approved by Institutional Review Board at the University of Houston. Uh, the current study is part of a larger ongoing year-long study on the psychological effects of testosterone on psychopathology, cognitive functioning, sexuality, and psychosocial well-being. Participants were informed of the purpose of the study, but were not informed of the specific hypotheses being tested. Gee, I wonder if they could have figured it out. Informed consent was provided by all participants, and in one case, uh, written informed consent from a, a parent of a 16-year-old transgender participant. Participants were paid $10 in the form of a gift card for completing each assessment. Transgender men were recruited to be included in the study and were planning to initiate testosterone treatment within six months of the first assessment visit. On average, participants began testosterone 21 days after the initial assessment. Just over one third of participants had initiated testosterone treatment immediately prior to the initial assessment. Testosterone treatment in the majority of transgender participants consisted of intramuscular injections, uh, and guidelines sent forth by the Endocrine Society suggest uh, transgender men inject 100 to 200 every 14 days, uh, et cetera. And so they had a group of people, one third of whom had already obtained the testosterone on their own and self-administered prior to the baseline. Prior to the baseline. So this is this is just 
this is this is science theater. It's, it's, there, there's there's no randomization, there's no blinding, and there's no real control that compares like to like, with the exception of the uh, administration of the treatment that's being tested. It's been recommended that testosterone levels be monitored by a laboratory, which of course these study design authors weren't doing because they weren't providing the testosterone. So we, we were just actually even going on, on uh, their own self-reports that they even were on testosterone. Based on test results, dose and method of administration may be changed by a medical provider. Rarely higher dose may be indicated if a transgender man testosterone levels remain in a low normal range after 200 milligrams every two weeks. Uh, most participants, uh, IM doses range from 50 to 400 milligrams every two weeks. Uh, one participant was taking uh, 200 milligrams every three weeks and so on and so forth. So it's just kind of their information about dose, which was presumably self-reported because it wasn't being provided by the study. Uh, controls were required to be older than 18 and not identify as transgender. So we're uh, comparing a group of transgender people to people who don't identify as transgender. Male and female controls must have reported a history of going through puberty and no history of hypogonadism or hormone imbalance. As a control for fluctuating hormone levels, females completed the protocol during their menstrual cycle at each assessment. The idea that women are more and less normal at different times of our cycles is, is outdated, to, to say the least, and uh, guided a lot of medical interventions uh, in the past, and that's hurt a lot of women to, to see our hormones as something that make us uh, not, not worthy of, of scientific study in some way. Uh, one female control was excluded as she became pregnant during the study. Transgender men who intended to begin testosterone therapy and maintain hormone treatment for a minimum of one year were recruited. Transgender men who had begun testosterone treatment within the previous month were included in the protocol as masculinizing effects generally do not take place until three or more months after initiating testosterone treatment. So I do, uh, the other thing, you know, to call attention to is that they're saying that they, they had to pick one time out of the month to be the control. Wouldn't that call the, their, the validity of their test instrument into question if they expected that the, the test results would vary based on the time of the month? If it's truly measuring personality, do women's personalities change over the course of the month? Measures. Personality profiles were evaluated using the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, MNPI-2. It's the most commonly utilized assessment of psychopathology. Reliability and validity of this instrument have been well established. It has good reliability with both test retests and internal consistency correlations, mostly between 0.7 and 0.9. Uh, it utilizes 567 true-false items in order to assess a range of personality profiles. It is estimated to take 60 to 90 minutes to complete. So we're talking about people completing a survey and self-reporting what they believe to be true and false about themselves. And these are all people that knew that they were in the treatment arm of, of a study. And then it was a very political study at that, given, given the current, current paradigm that we're in. Uh, the second version of it is a non-standardized, uh, or sorry, a re-standardized version of the original MMPI and contains three validity scales, uh, lie, infrequency, and correction in order to ensure that the profile is valid. It also contains 10 clinical scales, hypochondria, depression, hysteria, cycle, uh, pathological deviate, masculinity, femininity, paranoia, uh, psychasthenia, uh, which refers to obsessions, uh, schizophrenia, hypomania, and social introversion. So these are a bunch of traits that, that uh, were, it's, it's being uh, implied 
are secondary to untreated gender dysphoria. Raw scores are converted to z-scores and compared with normative data for assigned sex, the higher the mean score. And how do we get the normative data for assigned sex? If, if sex isn't real, what's the, why are we even using that? You know, they, 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 have, they, they want to deny that sex is real. So, but they also want to use the fact that there are sex differences to argue that sometimes boys are girls. Make it make sense. Uh, T-scores above 65 are considered to be clinically significant. In previous research, the female template has been used for scoring profiles of transgender men on the MMPI-2. However, which sex template to score transgender men on in MMPI-2 research represents a methodological question given that sex norm templates do not consider sex and gender to be different constructs. So we're going to steal the concept and then I guess we're going to, we're going to take it back because we didn't want to steal it after all. The temples standardization, the templates standardization is based on a national sample of over 2000 adults. Sex and gender were not queried separately in the standardization uh, research to cross classify respondents and identify transgender adults. We therefore scored transgender men on the, so they think that they, they're going to be able to, to find a way to objectively test for this and identify transgenderism in people that don't identify as transgender, apparently. That's what it seems like they're, they're trending towards, is, is wanting to say that we, we have a test that we can give you to prove that you're transgender, whether you think you are or not. Uh, we therefore scored transgender men on the female template when comparing them with female controls and on the male template when comparing them to, with male controls, because why not? That that, 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 that that doesn't destroy the norm reference. <laughs> uh, the strategy was implemented to in order to consider and be responsive for both sex-linked and gender-linked mechanisms of psychopathology. This is why I say I'm a gender atheist. I am not convinced that there is such a thing as gender. They have not defined it or proven it, but yet they're trying to measure it. This is the how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. Data analysis. Uh, statistical software was used for all uh, analyses. Statistical significance was determined at the alpha 0.05 level and two and two tailed tests of significance were conducted. Uh, descriptive statistics were obtained for all variables. Transgender men who had initiated testosterone treatment prior to baseline were compared with transgender men who had not started testosterone or treatment at baseline. There were no statistically significant differences by testosterone use in baseline men scores in any of the MMPI-2 scales uh, using either the female or the male templates. Well, that's strange, isn't it? Analysis therefore compared all transgender men to female and male controls, respectively, focusing on uh, MMPI-2 scales uh, and MMPI-2 clinical evaluation elevations. Uh, meeting a clinically elevated binary threshold for each MMPI-2 scale, bivariate comparison, bivariate comparison in uh, MMPI-2 scale scores and in clinical elevations of gender identity, transgender men versus female controls on the female template and transgender men versus male controls on the male template uh, were estimated. I'm going to skip over the uh, some of the description of the statistics used. Uh, you're welcome to go look at it yourself if you'd like, uh, and focus on this attrition section. Attrition, you know, means you loss to follow up. An analysis of attrition was conducted comparing baseline demographic and MMPI two variables for those who were lost to follow up relative to those who were not using t-tests. Uh, 
No statistically significant differences were found by gender identity, age, race, ethnicity, or education comparing non-completers and completers. There was a significant difference in the MMPI to hypomania scores at time one for non-completers compared with completers. Uh, Non-completers also had elevated MMPI to baseline frequency scale scores compared with completers. And so my interpretation of this is that some of these people were uh, either either uh, set off into a manic state uh, by the the uh, administration of testosterone, and there were red flags that they were trending in that direction at the start of the study, and they they lost uh, one third of them, so one out of every three participants uh, who completed the baseline score, I'm assuming in the transgender group, uh, did not complete the second one a couple months later, and we don't know what happened to them. We do know that they started a drug that is known to induce euphoria and other mental health symptoms. After mentioning that there was no difference in age and education level with the so-called control group, uh, we were going to look at the descriptive uh, characteristics of psychological functioning at time one, time two. Uh, And it says that uh, there were uh, uh, significantly higher scores on the masculinity, femininity scales for, for the transgender identifying females versus the ones that did not identify as transgender. Um, and that at the same time, the other one uh, was uh, uh, that was significant was social introversion for transgender men compared to females. No other significant baseline differences are found for the transgender men, i.e. females, compared to other females. Uh, at three-month follow-up, while masculine and femininity scale remained significantly higher for transgender men relative to females, significant differences were no longer found on social introversion. And remember that these authors have already said earlier in the same paper uh, that uh, they believe that if gender dysphoria or or masculinity is present in an introverted female uh, who has social deficits, that the gender dysphoria is what's causing the social deficits. And apparently their their proof is that if you give someone a drug, it might change their social behavior. You know, autism cured, I guess. They're targeting autistic people. They're targeting people with social anxiety. They're manipulating their their naivete regarding drugs and convincing them that if they take this drug that's known to change social behavior, change social judgment, and thereby by, uh, change their introversion level because they, they no longer have the social judgment to know what bad things might happen if they extrovert themselves slightly, <sighs> that that means that they, they needed the gender insulin. It's, it's truly manipulative. It is, it is no different than, than uh, any other drug pusher who is trying to recruit a new client. The first hit is always free, as they say. Uh, further, transgender men demonstrated statistically significantly lower mean scores in depression and psychasthenia than female controls. Uh, so, but they said that at the start, at baseline, they, they didn't have a significant difference between depression. So they were depreting depression that treating depression that apparently wasn't there. Uh, there wasn't a difference between the two. So are they insinuating that, that, that the testosterone is just generally an antidepressant now for, for females, regardless of transgender status? Like what, what is, what are we supposed to interpret from this? Uh, other than that, they are reaching at baseline nine of 10 MMPI to mean scale scores, uh, exception hypomania were significantly higher for transgender men compared with male controls perhaps because they're female at three-month follow-up only four of ten mmpi two mean skill scores depression masculinity femininity schizophrenia and social introversion remain significantly higher for transgender men relative to male controls 
there were no longer statistically significant differences between transgender men and male controls on uh, hyposthenia or hypochondria, hysteria, psychopathic uh, deviate paranoia, or psychasthenia scale after three months of testosterone administration. I, I again invite you to just imagine that they're talking about lobotomy instead of uh, this chemical version of a lobotomy because it is changing the topography of the brain. It is changing the volume of different areas of the brain. At baseline, a significantly higher proportion of transgender men compared with male controls, male template met clinical thresholds for eight of 10 scales. Uh, at follow-up, the disproportionate number of clinical elevations was reduced to two of 10 clinical elevations compared with male controls. So when you compare females to males, you're, you're comparing two unlike things. We know that there's differences in the rates of various mental illnesses in females versus males. So obviously, if you compare a group of females to males, uh, according to the male standards, you're, you're going to find out that the females are crazy. It's, it's, it's medical misogyny run amok. It's, it's, it's the history of psychiatry and microcosm. At follow-up, the disproportionate number of clinical elevations uh, was reduced to 2 of 10 um, compared to female controls. A higher proportion of transgender men met clinical thresholds for masculinity, femininity at both baseline and follow-up. So the question is, why is that even something they're measuring? Like it's absurd the idea that they were like they they, they want to say that they're not they're not pathologizing trans, but they're they're also doing trying to to uh, force us into this uh, uh, literal gender binary where we're being rated on our masculinity and femininity as if they're not social constructs, as if they're signs of a, an illness when a female is masculine. That's what it's saying, is that when a female is masculine, that's a red flag that, that she's ill. And she's supposed to be a man in some way. At follow-up, the proportion of transgender men meeting clinical threshold for paranoia was significantly lower than among the female controls. It doesn't specify which whether they were using the... It sounds, it sounds like they were still using the female metric, but when you give somebody a drug that is known to reduce anxiety and in, increase euphoria, and then uh, impair uh, social judgment in such a way as, as to, to produce things like roid rage. You know, anxiety and aggression are opposites. There's such a thing as a paradoxical reaction to anxiety medications where the person becomes extremely aggressive, and it's because they're opposites. So, so the, when you're aggressive, it's it's often because you don't feel anxious about aggressing. Because if you felt anxious about aggressing, you wouldn't aggress; you would withdraw. So it's toward versus away. Mean response profile differences for transgender male versus female and male controls. Transgender times time interaction effects. Uh, transgender time interaction effect term was, was fit in longitudinal linear models to examine whether mean response profiles on is, were similar or different for transgender men compared to female and male controls for their respective sex templates. Uh, statistically significant interactions were found on two of the 10 scales. Uh, compared with female controls, and for seven of the 10 scales compared with male controls. Interaction effects are graphically depicted in figure one. Shown are hysteria and paranoia for transgender compared with female controls, and depression and psychasthenia for transgender men versus male controls. Transgender men showed steeper increases in functioning and sometimes in reverse directions as controls. Because <laughs> it's changing the topography of the brain. Changes in MMPI-2 scores at acute post-baseline three-month follow-up, adjusting for baseline MMPI-2 scores. As shown in Table 3, the ANCOVA's regression time-2 scores and gender ideology and adjusting for time-1 scores demonstrated statistically significant differences in MMPI-2 scores at three-month follow-up relative to baseline 
for transgender men compared separately with female and male controls on female and male templates respectively. Transgender men relative to female controls also show significant reductions in hypochondria, depression, hysteria, and paranoia, as well as significantly increased masculinity and femininity scores with adjustment for line MMPI2 score. I thought the masculinity was high at the start and then continued. I'm a little confused by that. No statistically significant mean effect differences were found comparing transgender men and male controls after accounting for baseline MMPI2 scores in all models. The global F test suggests the MMPI2 scores at time one significantly predicted MMPI2 scores at time two. Uh, and so, so my interpretation from that is that that we uh, they are trying to treat femaleness by writing some out and seeing seeing if if the the these these uh, what what sounds like normal uh, female variants on various traits according to this measure uh, are 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 being uh, seen as is something worthy of targeting to get them more in line with the male norms. Changes in the proportion of cases meeting MMPI2 clinical elevations, MMPI2 masculinity, femininity scale. Again, why, why, why is there a clinical elevation of masculinity? Can we question this a little bit? Was excluded from summary count of clinical elevations. At baseline, transgender men's MMPI2 profiles were significantly more likely to meet any clinical elevation, two or more clinical elevations, and three or more clinical elevations. At baseline, on the study... Uh, uh, compared with uh, male uh, male controls. Uh, in other words, if they take a metric that's been standardized and normed with males and uh, rate females with it, they find that the females are uh, clinically elevated on these different different uh, aspects, i.e. Uh, they are pathologizing femaleness. Uh, similar differences were not found comparing transgender men and female controls on the female template at baseline. It's as if it's, it's, it's as if they're females. The proportion of transgender men showing uh, elevations for clinical scales decreased significantly from baseline to follow up both uh, the female and male uh, templates. There were no statistically significant reductions in the proportion of female and male controls meeting these clinical cut points from baseline to time two, suggesting the relative stability of MMPI2 clinical elevations for match controls, which you would expect because they didn't get a treatment this is and, and and they also were not recruited on the basis of even having a, a problem. So we, why why would we expect a change? This is the first known study of the United States for prospectively to prospectively investigate the effects of testosterone or literally any treatment on psychological functioning in transgender men using a controlled longitudinal design. Uh, this study aimed to investigate changes in psychopathology profiles of a community sample of transgender men as they are beginning hormone therapy and three months later compared with a community sample of matched non-transgender male and female healthy controls. So yet again, it's, it's not randomized. It's not placebo controlled. So they're, they're using the word controlled here with, with the extreme uh, looseness. First, relative to both male and female controls, psychological functioning uh, of transgender men and sig uh, significantly improved prospectively after only three months of testosterone therapy. And again, that they're, they're saying that the functioning improved because they became more like the male profile. I don't necessarily agree that females are improved by being more like males. Transgender men's MMPI2 profiles demonstrated significantly fewer uh, clinical elevations at the three-month follow-up 
assessment compared with baseline. For example, the number of transgender men who demonstrated two or more clinical elevations at baseline, again, this is uh, 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 decreased from 43 to 25% on the female template and from 46 to 27% on the male template three months after initiating testosterone. Uh, it's, it's also as if they, they may have had some sort of mental illness. The finding, uh, and also they, they, uh, uh, a significant number of people dropped out uh, while taking testosterone. And so the question is, did they drop out because the testosterone precipitated a mental health event, which was then not captured, uh, is that, which is a further bias in the sample of the study. This uh, finding provides support to the idea that the hormone treatment is a medically necessary intervention for transgender individuals. I could not disagree more. The masculinity-femininity scale was the only scale that remained significantly elevated among transgender men compared with both male and female control groups. Really? The masculinity scale ele was elevated compared to men? That, that would kind of suggest that they were performing to me, unless we think that transgender men are more manly than men. The masculinity-femininity scale was originally intended to measure 1940s stereotypical male and female vocational interests. <laughs> I can't make this up. However, much of the early research on the scale attempted to use it to identify gay men. And although currently most clinicians do not interpret elevations on the masculinity femininity scale, I wonder why, some may interpret these high scores to be related to homosexuality in men. In the present study, elevated masculinity femininity scores are thought to reflect gender dysphoria or discomfort with the female gender role, as well as level of masculine interests, like women, and consistent with previous literature using the female template indicate that transgender men were more likely to endorse stereotypical masculine traits than female controls. It is not surprising that transgender men will experience discomfort with the female gender role and viewed themselves as more masculine after initiating testosterone. Really? So we, well, we started with people who already have a mental preoccupation with the idea that being not like other girls makes you one of the guys. So... When scored according to the male template, and these are these are according to stereotypes, cultural stereotypes. So it's not like they didn't know which answers were, were more feminine or more masculine on this test. It's, it's not hard to figure out when it's based on 1940s stereotypes. Uh, when scored according to the male template, although transgender men's mean masculinity femininity score was within the normal range, it was found to be significantly higher than control males at baseline in three months. Well, that's kind of weird, isn't it? It's kind of weird. If it was so much higher than, than, than males, wouldn't that suggest that they were, they were kind of uh, overstating it, perhaps? Although the social introversion scale was not clinically elevated to, for over 80% of the sample, transgender men were still found to function psychologically worse than male controls on the domain of both time points and worse than female controls at baseline only. So they're, they're really pushing the idea that if you can make a female more likely a man, a male, you've improved her. As transgender men's average seven... Uh, score on the scale was closer, uh, or rather T-score on the scale was closer to females than males at baseline, different scores, 4.5 and 9.2 respectively. Their scores did not have to decrease as much to become similar to female control scores. The social introversion scale measures self-consciousness, social avoidance, and self-other alienation, all of which can be drastically affected by psychoactive medication use, uh, as well as by placebo. Transgender men's scores on these constructs are thought to be impacted by the Social stigma of transgender identities, not, not the social stigma of being a female, not the social stigma of being gay. Nope, just the stigma against transgender identities. 
Prior to coming out, transgender men are typically expected by society to function in the female gender role, which apparently has no impact on females, unless they're trans. Uh, however, pre many pre-transition and early transition transgender men feel uncomfortable in their body for many years prior to transitioning and often avoid social situations where they are not likely to be seen as males. Uh, reported that while social support is important for mental health, well-being, and transgender people, there are major deficits in social support for this population. Could it be that some of these uh, women have uh, trauma surrounding being recognized as a female by perhaps a male predator? And perhaps that is why they are avoiding triggering situations is because they have PTSD and perhaps that they were treated for their PTSD that they got from being victimized by males because they're females in a patriarchy. Perhaps, perhaps they wouldn't have needed to take these drugs that dramatically shorten their lifespan and put them at risk of all sorts of complications. Budget all reported that while social support is important for mental health and well-being of transgender people, there are major deficits in social support for this population. The minority stress theory posits that transgender men face high levels of social trauma and discrimination and may be more likely to be hypervigilant or engage in isolation in order to protect themselves. So they're, they're really targeting certain groups. And one of those groups appears to be people that have been through trauma. Um, therefore, transgender men may be more likely to feel disconnected from others and lack a sense of belonging. I wonder if that's because they're rape victims, for instance. As many transgender men's bodies are just beginning to masculinize at three months on testosterone treatment, they may not be perceived as men by others, and this may contribute to self-consciousness. It is thought that this scale may be sensitive to social stigma, rejection, and may not be measuring an introverted personality structure in transgender men. So do you see that they start, they're, they're starting from this idea that the trans status is what is primary and all of their problems are going to be solved if they get on this assembly line. It's, it's a con. They have, they have no reason to think that, but that's, that's why Aaron in the morn is on uh, Twitter saying that autism is caused by gender dysphoria. That's why Chase Strangio is saying that bone density loss is caused by gender dysphoria. They have a religious faith that the gender deity is what's causing it. That, that, that if a person is possessed by a gender deity, uh, we need to placate the gender deity and all the problems will go away. And if we don't, it will cause uh, suffering and torment and, and physical and mental harm to the person so occupied. So this is sort of like a reverse exorcism. Like, oh, oh darn, you're, you're demon possessed. Well, um, let's just make the best of it. What, what does the demon want to wear today? Um, it is thought that the scale may be sensitive to social stigma, trauma, and rejection, and, and may not be uh, measuring. I see, I read that part. While transgender men's scores in this domain did not change compared to male controls, their scores were no longer significantly different from female controls at three months. However, a trend remained. The findings suggest that transgender men begin to become more comfortable in social situations and gain self-confidence and become less sensitive to what others on testosterone treatment. And we know from the other paper that at seven months, they were all all kinds of angry and that, that this subsequently led to withdrawal of social support. Is it possible that it's not a good thing that they became less sensitive to what others think of them? Is it possible that the increase in self-confidence and the increase in comfort is actually due to a reduction in judgment and that leads to social errors and that leads to damage to family relationships and other problems that then get blamed on society or blamed on their prior mental illness? even though we know that testosterone is changing the volumes of different structures in their brain. These positive changes, I, I, I reject the idea that they're automatically positive, are likely influenced by environmental factors, including a supportive transgender community, 
acceptance by family members and friends, and acceptance in social environments, including school, work, place of worship. Future, yeah, everyone's walking on eggshells. Uh, future research could elucidate these findings. Elevations on the social introversion scale may dissipate after further time on testosterone therapy. It remains a question if, as transgender men, i.e. females, are more consistently witnessed socially as males, colloquially passing, they report increased comfort in social situations. Second, transgender men function psychologically worse at baseline on multiple domains relative to female and male controls and demonstrated relatively higher rates of co-occurring problems. However, on average, transgender men's level of psychological functioning were within normative range. This finding is consistent with several previous studies of transgender people. Uh, it's as if they have an underlying illness that's actually primary. Considering the social oppression and high levels of discrimination this population faces, uh, several findings show that on average, uh, transgender men's psychological functioning is in the normative range. Is it a good thing for a group that has, is such a target of discrimination for you to be drugging them in such a way that they stop thinking about what other people are thinking? Is that safe for them? Is, is, that, is that really in their best interest? Or could, could this be setting them up for something? Uh, considering the social, uh, showing that on average, transgender men's psychological functioning is in the normative range, highlight the incredible resilience of the population and calls into question the pathologizing idea that a transgender identity is a mental illness. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deity that you must worship to make all your problems go away. These findings further call into question the policies that restrict the lives of transgender people on the basis of conflating transgender identity with mental illness. Although you, we're, we're being told that, that they function less well compared to both males and females who don't have one of these magical identities and that they require medical treatment. Is this not an illness? Or psych poor psychological functioning. One int additional interesting pattern emerged from the data. Prior to beginning testosterone, transgender men did demonstrate lower psychological functioning when compared with identity-matched gender group, i.e. healthy males. Uh, however, after initiating testosterone therapy, MMPI2 profiles of transgender men shifted in a healthier direction compared with both control groups, yet more so when using the identity match template, i.e. the male template. So it, it, you know, if anybody disagrees with my interpretation, please uh, comment and let me know uh, if I'm missing something. But it seems like they are defining female as the less healthy end of the gender spectrum. And so the shifts that, that purport to be towards the male end of the spectrum, that, that that's also the same as a healthier direction. Thus, in three months, transgender men's scores became more similar to controls who shared their gender identity. In fact, by three months on testosterone, transgender men's MMPI2 profiles were no longer significantly different than male count controls on psychasthenia, anxiety scale, and they were found to be functioning better than female controls in that domain and on depression. Uh, in other words, uh, we are defining femaleness as pathology. Femaleness is inherently inferior in terms of functioning to maleness. Uh, there's there's no, no accounting for the fact that it might benefit females to have a tendency towards these other things. It might uh, just, 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 we're just defining it as an improvement if we make a female more like a male. The baseline MMPI2 profiles based on the female MMPI2 scoring template of transgender men are consistent with previous cross-sectional work. 
For example, research has consistently reported that transgender men's average MMPI scale scores fall within the normative range prior to the initiation of testosterone. So we are taking normal females who are a little bit butch, a little bit masculine, a little bit preoccupied, and we are writing them out. And then we are declaring the changes to benefit them. This is lobotomy. Prior research has also reported that before initiating testosterone therapy, uh, transgender men demonstrate higher rates of co-occurring psychological problems. Because again, the scale, as they said, is based on 1940 stereotypes. Because MMPI2 interpretations have significant implications for the lives of transgender people, e.g. maintaining custody of their children, gaining employment, accessing medical treatments, and so forth, which strongly implies that the MMPI that is apparently set up to define females as inferior might be hurting females in those similar situations systematically if they're still using it. Uh, several considerations should be taken when interpreting transgender men's MMPI2 scale scores, especially prior to transition in the early weeks of initiating testosterone. First, the gender template chosen to score profiles as well as the stage of transitioning impacts the profiles of transgender men in that they are likely to appear psychologically worse at earlier stages of transitioning, especially if the male template is used. So they're, they're acknowledging this, this uh, instrument apparently defines females as, as worse than males. As the MMPI2 was not normed for the use with the transgender population, scores should be interpreted with caution. Because of the many significant changes in MMPI2 profiles in the short period of time after hormone initiation, it is thought that MMPI2 profiles should not be relied upon to evaluate readiness for hormone treatment in this population. Scales of the MMPI2 may be impacted by cultural variables unique to the transgender population. The hypochondria and hysteria scales may be influenced by feelings of gender dysphoria. So as, as always, gender dysphoria is always primary in their minds. Uh, so if we think it's present, we have to assume that everything else is going to magically go away once we give them the lobotomy, the sex lobotomy specifically, and the chemical sex lobotomy via testosterone. The psychopathic deviate scale is believed to be elevated in transgender men due to interpersonal difficulties related to the lack of acceptance of transgender people in society. It's, it's, it's your fault. It's your fault for not walking on the eggshells. Elevations on the paranoia scale before initiating hormone treatment may be due to feeling misunderstood, mistreated, suspicious, guarded, lonely, resentful towards family members, and afraid of physical attack. So it's, it's not that they're clinically paranoid. It's not that they're just female and female people are a bit more worried about being attacked for obvious reasons. No, 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 no. It's because it's of social situations always. It's, it's their, their, their fear of physical attack is causing an artificial elevation of the paranoia scale, but it's not related to the fact that they're female. It's not related to the fact that they have a mental illness. It's because they're trans. So it's magically going to go away, and that has no implications for them, even at the same time we're saying that they actually are more at risk of physical attack. Because that's also what this article is saying, is that they are actually more at risk of these things. And we're wanting to make them feel safer bragging about being trans in a context where they're at this increased risk. We want to make them feel less afraid of it, even in, as we're acknowledging that maybe they should be a little bit concerned about it. Maybe that would keep them alive. More recent research, however, supports the argument 
that the elevations on the paranoia scale may in fact be an artifact of the high rates of discrimination and family rejection among transgender people. See what I mean? And thus may be realistic appraisals and not a true measure of paranoia. So they love calling their own instrument into question. Finally, increased scores on the schizophrenia scale may be reflective of transgender men's lived experiences, including strained family relationships, social alienation, and questioning of one's self-worth and identity. So their experiences have programmed their judgment areas, and we're giving them a drug that directly acts on the judgment areas in the direction of changing the volume of it. And then what do you know? Suddenly their judgment about what situation they're in is wildly different. Is that not going to make them a lot easier to manipulate? You know, men have a much higher rate of completed suicides. So we're taking people who are already suicidal and we are changing their judgment. We are changing them in the male direction. They started as female. Is this really going to prevent suicides? If, if, we're, if we're saying that we're making them uh, more consolidated in the male gender identity. Um, and, and so the idea of a validity of a, an instrument is that it's actually measuring what you think it's measuring. And here they're saying this test that we're giving is not measuring what we say we're, that what, what we think it's measuring. And they've also said that it's based on 1940s stereotypes. Like my head's going to explode if I keep, if I, if I elaborate anymore. So I'm just going to keep going. The study also adds to the current body of research in previous controlled studies of transgender individuals, typically only compared transgender men with females. Given that transgender men typically report gender identities as males, this offers study. a novel, you're telling me, side-by-side -side comparison with both non-transgender females and non-transgender males. This allows a more nuanced comment, uh, uh, summary of MMPI2 profiles among the transgender men. For example, at baseline, transgender men uh, different, di differed from both males and females on social introversion and masculine. But they also differed from males on seven additional domains, hypochondria, depression, hysteria, psychopathic, deviant, paranoia, psychasthenia, and schizophrenia. I want to remind everyone hysteria comes from the word womb. Maybe, maybe they're pathologizing femaleness a bit with this 1940s stereotypes-based instrument. The most important finding in the current study was that the three months of testosterone treatment improved psychological functioning in transgender men in multiple domains. I'm sorry, I, I don't agree that if it changes their judgment such that they, they judge themselves to be safer and, and feel better about coming out when at the same time we know that their environmental context means that's actually not safe for them. I'm, I'm not convinced that that's functioning better. I, I'm unpersuaded. Placebos make you feel better. So do powerful psychoactive drugs that are psychologically addictive enough to be controlled substances. They make you feel better. You like taking them. That's not the same thing as saying you are functioning better. You know, they, they, they really want to conflate feeling better and thinking you're functioning better with actually functioning better because they're apparently extremely naive as to the brain injuries they're causing and the effects of having brain injuries because wait for it, they're sex lobotomists. And they're really excited that they figured out how to change someone. They, they think that they found the cure for mental illness, just like the original lobotomist. This did. is important because MMPI2 profiles are thought to remain stable over time, even with intensive psychotherapy. Yeah, it's as if it's as if it's a brain injury, just like you you already mentioned that ECT is known to change these uh, scores. But you also acknowledge that also people can lie. So they're not stable if people are lying or exaggerating. Compared with control males in the study, scores for seven of the 10 scales, hypochondria, depression, hysteria, psychasthenia, paranoia, psychopathic deviate, and schizophrenia 
significantly decreased in transgender men in three months, which is indicative of substantial improvements. Citation. Oh, you, you gave a citation. <laughs> no, it's not necessarily indicative of improvement. It's, it's, it's indicative of a change. You've, you've, you've whipped your, your, your ice pick around behind their eye. And then there was a big change. I, I bet there's a lot of change in paranoia and in lobotomy uh, victims too, because then they, they, they can't, they lack the judgment to know what kind of situation they're in. And then they're the perfect victim. Similar decreases were found for hysteria, paranoia, and social introversion when transgender men were compared to female controls. Moreover, the prospective decreases in depression and anxiety observed in the current study are consistent with prior cross-sectional studies of transgender uh, men. These testosterone-related improvements, just keep insisting that they're improvements in psychological functioning, have implications for the overall quality of life and physical health of transgender men. And I reiterate, I'm going to reiterate here, that a big difference between men and women is that although women attempt suicide more, men complete it more. And perhaps that's because they don't have the anxiety holding them back from using a gun. Suicide prevented though, right? There are several clinical implications of the MMP. Because it, it, it's just because they believe that, 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 that people kill themselves not because of mental illness, but because they got too sad one day. That's the infuriating part of it for me is this idea that, that if we get them high and chill them out, they won't off themselves. Completely ignoring reality. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, there are several clinical implications of the MMPI2 changes observed over the three months on testosterone therapy with transgender men. First, because reductions in depression symptoms may correlate with reduced suicide risk in transgender men. Wow, that's a strong statement. I am so persuaded. It, it, it may correlate with reduced suicide risk. I, th I thought it prevents the suicide. Withholding testosterone treatment on the basis of depression or suicidality may be iatrogenic. That's not what that word means. Uh, some clinicians believe that even if a person is certain that he or she is transgender, has some social support, is informed of the risks and benefits of cross-sex hormone treatment, is likely to adhere to the treatment, and is able to make as informed a decision. Uh, depression and suicidality must be decreased prior to initiating hormone treatment. Yeah, because you are giving them a drug that you say makes them more like men. And what are men more like? More suicidal, more likely to complete the suicide, rather. Their practice may include withholding professional letters to support initiating hormone treatment and targeting interventions as depression and suicidality as a first steps. So we're told repeatedly that they get years and years of therapy to make sure that nothing else could possibly be causing them to think that they're trans. But the reality is they think that if you think you're trans, you should get fast-tracked because clearly that's causing all the other problems. It's, it's a faith-based position. Uh, however, this evidence suggests that hormone treatment directly decreases symptoms of depression. Therefore, it is suggested that clinicians consider providing a letter of support for hormone initiation at the same time as providing treatment options for depression and suicidality instead of denying access to hormone treatment on the basis of depression or suicidality alone. So a placebo will also directly decrease the symptoms of depression, as will other treatments for depression. Once you get into saying that this is some sort of treatment for depression, then we get back into there's no reason to think that this is gender insulin and that they specifically need this one thing that they're fixated on. Uh, second, improvements in the hypochondria and hysteria scales may indicate increases in health related to accessing medical care, increased comfort, 
in social situations and feelings of happiness. Uh, third, decreases in psychopathic deviant, paranoia, psychasthenia, schizophrenia, and social introversion may result from increased feelings of acceptance, decreased attempts to conceal transgender identity, increased passing in the self-identified gender, which may also consequently correlate with lower risk of discrimination and battery and less hypervigilance. So we're going to call it hypervigilance, even though we're also saying that it's reducing their risk of battery. It sounds like it might have just been vigilance authors, but they are using an instrument that apparently pathologizes females on the basis of femaleness and, and judges them as being as just functioning less, less well as men. It is also possible that the initiation of testosterone improves psychological functioning in and of itself. Well, it's a miracle, regardless of passing. Fourth, although the hypochondria scale does not typically change over time, transgender men's improvements may be related to developing a more optimistic outlook on life and decreased gender dysphoria, which may occur when the secondary sex characteristics associated with testosterone use emerge, I guess from their clitoral cocoon. Fifth, increases on the masculinity-femininity scale based on the female template indicate that transgender men have further consolidated their male identity after beginning testosterone treatment. Well, that's fascinating. I thought that it consolidated on its own at age three. There are several reasons that testosterone treatment might improve psychological functioning in transgender men. They just keep sneaking that word improve in there. Uh, I am not persuaded that becoming more like a male equals improvement. First, our results provide support for the idea that the act of initiating a gender transition may be the key factor in reducing psychopathology. That's the placebo effect. That's the placebo effect. Second, beginning testosterone treatment is a form of validation of their gender identity by a professional and marks an important step for many transgender men in their gender transition. It is possible that this leads to improved psychological well-being. So this, the, the, you can't attribute the benefits of choosing to start to transition and then getting told good job by, by the clinician. That can't be attributed to this testosterone. That is pure placebo effect. Uh, third, access to gender-affirming care for the first time sets transgender men on a path to living the gender with which they identify. Oh, and concealment or avoidance of their transgender identity is no longer occurring which of course predisposes them apparently to battery, discrimination, family rejection, all sorts of shit. Why, why, why isn't that a problem if they don't think it's a problem? Like, it's like they haven't heard of bad judgment. Possibly because they have bad judgment, just a thought. Or possibly because they're conning people with bad judgment that they're targeting on the basis of being uh, having PTSD, on the basis of autism, on the basis of all sorts of shit. As Yalom stated, when we deny or stifle parts of ourselves, we pay a heavy price. We feel a deep amorphous sense of restriction. We are constantly on guard. We are often troubled and puzzled by internal, but seemingly alien impulses that demand expression. When we are able to reclaim these disavowed parts, we experience a wholeness and a sense of liberation. You guys getting the vibe that maybe they're living vicariously? Results from the study point to the positive impact of testosterone treatment on transgender men on psychological functioning. Short-term psychotherapy is not typically associated with increased psychological functioning on the MMPI-2, which I remind everyone yet again that it's based on 1940 stereotypes and apparently presupposes that female functioning is inferior to male functioning. 
just because it's different. Even though we know that females, despite being more likely to attempt suicide, are less likely to complete a suicide, which would point in the direction of anxiety and, and judgment being better, not worse. Uh, much less several significant improvements, as were observed in this study following three months of testosterone treatment. This is the lobotomy of our times. Thus, although standard practice has been to treat psychological conditions in transgender men, including depression and anxiety, prior to considering any medical treatment for a gender transition, as we're told is the case, psychotherapy alone is not thought to be sufficient for clinical treatment of transgender men's psychological well-being to make them more like men, the group more likely to commit suicide. What could go wrong? Suicides may be correlated with being prevented. Results from this study have also have several implications for the interpretation of the MMPI-2 among transgender men. First, the MMPI-2 is currently used for assessing readiness for gender reassignment. We're seeing a problem here. Personal, personnel selection and parental custody. And it seems like the MMPI-2 is uh, set up to stigmatize the female parent and, and to, to rate her as inherently functioning worse than the male parent. You guys getting that vibe? Results indicate that transgender men's profiles improve once they begin testosterone treatment. And remember, improvement is defined as being more like men. Thus, it is recommended that clinicians interpret MMPI-2 results with caution among pre-testosterone transgender men and reassess the MMPI-2 after at least three months of testosterone therapy. When, despite the fact that the external society hasn't changed, their judgments about how safe they are radically changes because of this drug. Uh, and um, we're just going to, again, take it for granted that, that, that it's an improvement, even though men are the sex that, that are associated with such uh, grievous judgment errors that they make up 93% of the prison population. It's not a coincidence, and it's not because women are oppressing them. Interpreting pre-transition MMPI-2 results without taking transition status into account may inadvertently discriminate against transgender persons. Fuck women, though. Let's just forget about them. And, and not question this, this instrument that clearly is uh, apparently designed to systematically discriminate against females and to, to stigmatize us as functioning less well, even though we're functioning normally for females. Second, the study should highlight, uh, results from the study highlight that future research studies should consider using both male and female control groups and gendered scoring templates to test hypotheses concerning transgender men. Baseline profiles of transgender men initially showed significantly higher scores on nine scales when compared to ma with males, all but hypomania, than when compared with females, two scales, masculinity, femininity, and social introversion. So they are taking females who are a little bit butch and a little bit shy and writing them out and, and proclaiming them to be better than other females. However, at the follow-up assessment, Transgender men scored higher than males on four scales, depression, masculinity, femininity, schizophrenia, and social introversion. Wait, I, I thought we cured the depression with the testosterone. And did not score higher than females on any scale except the masculinity, femininity scale. In fact, by follow-up, females actually scored higher than transgender men on depression and psychasthenia. Maybe, maybe if they had gotten a placebo, they would have also got, done better. <laughs> but they didn't, they were given nothing. 
Although transgender men's improvement in psychological functioning is clear, disagree, hard disagree, relative to both male and female control groups, comparisons using gender identity match controls, i.e. males, demonstrate a much stronger effect. This study is distinct from the few previous longitudinal studies with transgender samples for several reasons. First, these data are those, the first in the Western hemisphere <laughs> to use both male and female control groups in a non-clinical prospective research design. It is possible that transgender participants would have responded differently in clinical samples when their testosterone treatment is contingent on their MMPI2 profiles. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. The sample size in the current study is at least double compared with samples in previous longitudinal research with transgender men. Wow. This study also includes a wide age range of transgender men beginning testosterone. Oh yeah, right, remember? One, one of the people was 16. The study has clinical implications that impact disciplines concerned with transgender health and well-being, including medicine, public health, behavioral health. Uh, some medical professionals hesitate or even avoid prescribing medications, especially controlled substances like testosterone, due to a lack of training and research. Therefore, the results of this study may provide more information to providers who wish to or need to assess transition readiness or to otherwise meet the transition needs of their transgender patients. And remember, the authors think that you should just put people right on that assembly line, no matter like how depressed and suicidal they are when they come into your office, and no matter how poor their functioning is in various other domains, including schizophrenia. Limitations. The study's generalizability is limited by the demographics of the non-probability transgender sample, which in this study is primarily white and highly educated not capturing the diversity inherent in the overall population of transgender men. Yeah, what about the fact that they were self-selected and they, they self-obtained these drugs and they knew which treatment arm they were in? Is that a limitation? In accordance with the Institute of Medicine's recommendation on LGBTQ research, future research should include non-probability samples that represent the diversity of transgender experiences and thus help create a more informed dialogue about the needs of the population overall. Next, transgender participants in the sample had access to medical care in the United States and had access to testosterone as part of their transgender tra uh, gender transition. The prevalence of psychopathology is yet unclear among transgender men who do not have access to or desire to initiate transgender treatment. So, you know, we're, we're, we're gearing up to start really marketing to people that don't even know that they're trans yet. A limitation of our design is that one third of the sample had initiated testosterone therapy prior to baseline, e.g. potential bias. However, within groups comparisons on, found no statistically significant differences in baseline MMPI2 psychopathology between transgender men on hormones uh, with the mean of 17 days on the hormones already and those who were not at baseline assessment, which might suggest that they knew that they were in a, a, a study and they knew they were taking a questionnaire based on sex stereotypes. Just, just, just spitballing. An additional limitation is that we did not measure therapy utilization over the course of the study. Well, that seems like an interesting omission. Therefore, psychotherapy represents a potential confounder. It may be that hormone use and therapy have additive effects, and future research would benefit from examining the efficacy and effectiveness of combined biobehavioral treatments, hormones, and therapy. Are, are, are we suggesting that we don't have that data? Is that not data we have? I, th I thought they all got years of therapy before going down this path. Additionally, levels and of hiding one's gender identity were not measured. 
but somehow they concluded that, that they feel safer coming out and, and not hiding it anymore, even though that was, again, not measured. These variables may mediate the impact of hormonal transitioning on the psychological functioning of transgender men. Future directions. So you, know, you notice how little they want to call attention to the fact that the, the lack of randomization is a huge, huge limitation of the study, and as well as the lack of placebo control. They, they do not want to mention the placebo effect. It's, it's a secret. Future directions. In the, in the future, researchers who look at current psychological functioning of transgender samples should take transition status into account when interpreting current and past research reports, as the growing body of literature indicates that those who have started hormone treatment often report better psychological functioning, which you'd expect from the placebo effect. Prior research that aggregates different transgender-identified groups together, e.g. Uh, transgender men with transgender women or those who began medical treatment with those who have not, may have generated incorrect conclusions on mental health status among transgender samples. Oh, if only there was a way to say for sure whether someone was trans or not, the way that there is for female and male. Future researchers should examine if the same positive effects of feminizing hormone treatment are found in transgender women, and if genderqueer individuals also demonstrate improvements in mental health related to cross-sex hormone treatment. Wow, we're just going to keep adding categories that we can market to people. Do you want a Kia? Do you want a Honda? Do you want a Toyota? What do you want? Consistent with the report of the Institute of Medicine, we recommend that future studies include uh, non-probability samples representing the diversity of transgender experiences in order to create a more informed dialogue about the needs of the overall transgender population. Conclusion, the current study is the first to demonstrate the direct positive impact of initiating testosterone treatment on the psychological functioning of transgender men. And of course, as I've said many times before, and I'll keep saying it, it was not randomized, it was not placebo-controlled, and everybody knew which side they were on. Overall, the results suggest that the majority of transgender men report subclinical levels of psychological distress before initiating testosterone treatment, which we've, they've already explained. Uh, they've defined being female as, as having a subclinical level of psychological distress that's just can be improved by bringing us more in line with the male norms. Also, although they initially demonstrated poorer psychological functioning on than uh, non-transgender males, otherwise known as males, transgender men by their third month on testosterone were functioning as well as male and female controls and uh, I thought they were functioning as well as the other female controls to start with and demonstrated positive gains in multiple dis, uh, dink, multiple clinical domains. The MMPI2 profiles of transgender men, which they've already they've already called the, this instrument into question repeatedly. Uh, so so I don't even know why we're still we're still relying on it. It's obviously they, they have some validity questions of their own, even as they say that it's a very valid instrument. Who completed three months of testosterone treatment demonstrated significantly more psychological improvements than what is typically reported in the same time frame with psychotherapy alone, but they didn't control for whether psychotherapy was, was present and even a factor. Overall findings here were, uh, suggest significant, rapid, and positive effects of initiating testosterone treatment and the psychological functioning in transgender men.